you wanna learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune in to WP88.7, Brave New Radio. We got managers, producers, record labels, concert promoters galore. Wednesday at 8 p.m. Yeah! Yeah! Music Biz 101 and more live from Nashville, Tennessee, the Boy. volunteer state. Make sure you go to our website, musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for that newsletter. You need to sign up for our newsletter. Follow us on the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, at musicbiz101wp. And of course, we have a podcast, which many of you are listening to right now, mm-hmm. and you found it at iTunes or SoundCloud, Music Biz, Ampersand, 101, no, Music Biz 101, <laughs> Ampersand, more, Music Biz 101 and more. I'm your professor, David Kirk Philp. Who are you? I am Stephen Marconi. Dr. Esteban. Yes. And so as you listen, you'll hear a student, you're going to hear a great, great person, but this was a summer class because of William Patterson, the university. So we want to thank Ashley Weltner, who's been our engineer for all of our radio shows yes. over the past year, and she hooked us up with this tremendous technique of recording that we're doing right now, and we should give thanks, so we put our... Uh, hands together, legs together, eyes closed, heads down. Thanks to the folks at Van Dyne Bruno Inc. and White Hat Management with artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, and Kith. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB. CPA.com when you are ready. And we should all give thanks to Christine. They. Oi, a wealth manager and the president of. <laughs> Oi, they manage. <laughs> Oi, they wealth management. Christine has helped many of our professionals at William Patterson the University to manage their investments to plan out for their retirement. If you're looking for some guidance on how to plan for your retirement, or if you have any questions on anything from investments and portfolio management to insurance retirement planning, give Christine a call at, repeat after me, 732. 732. 455. 455. 1510. 1510. You can also email her, Christine at Oi. They wealth. Com. And take the last oi off for savings. That's right. Many shout outs to many different people, but don't forget managing your band's sixth edition. By the time you hear this, it has been out for a year, but like fine wine, it's aging beautifully. Mm-hmm. It's a book, it's in color, it's got glossy pages. And only a few mistakes. Very few mistakes. <laughs> so you're going to love it. And always contact, contact us. Again, go to musicbiz101wp.com, and that's where you can find everything out. Again, big thanks to the Music Biz Association for having us here. Yes. And now on to La Interview. <laughs> Music Biz 101 and more. The coffee has kicked in. The coffee. I never had coffee today, so this is... Natural, loving brave, myself. Brave, wow. brave Day. man. <laughs> I know. But we're on Brave New Radio, which is there funny. Music is 101. I'm your professor, David Kirk. And I am your doctor his David. sidekick. Yes, right. And I would love to kick the side of me sometimes. Yes. Uh, Dr. Esteban Marconi. And where are we? Nashville, Tennessee. Wow, we are. State. That's great. We are doing some great things, Boy, interviewing some really City. great people, and then we're interviewing somebody Wonderful. now. Wonderful. 
But um, <laughs> it's right. Hey, yeah. So right now we have Josh Turk and Jerry Lembo. Okay. Josh, an artist, and Jerry is a music consultant. Absolutely. Is that what you would say, music consultant or music business consultant? A male nurse. I'm a male with Jerry, Jerry with Dr. Uh, Marconi. He's actually That's nursing right. a male right now. His, his shirt is unbuttoned. There is a man at his breast. It's very interesting. So with that in mind, we also have Matthew Kerr about 45 feet away from the microphone. Hello, and, all. That's right. And Matt was able to speak with Josh today and say, Josh, you must come in and speak with us. So therefore, we're going to do it. Yes. And, and, and um, Matt's going to ask some questions. So the reason for this is we got the independent artist, and then we have the sort of intermediary music business consultant, and try and see, so what is the interaction these guys have to ultimately provide success for Josh? We'll determine what does success mean. So well, may I also comment? Nope. Uh, so anyway, so that. <laughs> no, well, we, I was talking with Josh. You were saying he also founded his own uh, corporation, his own record label as well. Mm -hmm. So as going along the lines of um, also wanted to ask about that, how like you decided to like start the uh, start the label, like what in, what influenced you to uh, decide I need to make my own label as opposed to just going like all out all out indie, if you will. Absolutely. Um, it just kind of happened that way. At the beginning, we decided to create a private company that would house the publishing, and um, as a separate side note to that, could also handle some of the liability of live touring. Because we realized that as you're putting on your own shows, and sometimes when you're going into bars, uh, they have a certain liability that protects them at the shows, but there's a certain liability that you take on going into the shows and hiring musicians Absolutely. and having fans. and so. We wanted to make sure from the legal standpoint that we were covered on that front. And just as things started to develop and as I started to move from being a recording artist in Toronto and working with Canadian producers and musicians to then branching off and going into the UK and starting to develop a team over there, releasing music and touring internationally, and then coming to the States, it made a lot more sense that as we started to add more services and bring on more team members, that we actually create a private record label. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So another thing, uh, we were we were talking about this earlier, actually. Um, speaking on the business side of things, like I was, we were going back and forth. Wanted to ask where you find most of your revenue comes from as a indie label and as as a recording artist. Like you find where where you get your merch, where your revenue, where you get your revenue streams from. So uh, just off of that, you know. Being an artist and a label, um, it's really important to be able to look at it from both sides, and I really enjoy being able to do that because as an artist, you need to know who your fans are. You need to know demographics, where they live, who they are, and also the kind of stuff that they like and the kind of stuff that they're into. And that will create a bunch of different revenue streams for you as far as merch is concerned, as far as where you can potentially partner up with brands that your target audience would like. And as a label, it's important to know, especially if you have multiple artists, as far as revenue streams go, who that artist's target demographic is, who their main market is, and their second and third market, because that will dictate as far as whether it's physical sales, streaming, downloading, where are they going to interact with and engage with the music the most, mm -hmm. and how can you optimize that specific audience and that specific um, I guess revenue stream. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you had uh, we, we were also talking about how you were still doing uh, physical product because that was what was working for the demographic that you were targeting. Absolutely. At the uh, at the very beginning of my career, when I first went over to the UK, 
we were doing acoustic shows and we were opening up for a band whose demographic was, I would say, 35 to 50. That was their biggest market. And that market still wanted CDs. They wanted physical music that they could either play on a CD player or they could upload onto their computer. And uh, also keep in mind that at the time that I had started, it was about 2012, 2013, and iTunes was a very big thing at the time, but the digital streaming services hadn't really developed to the point that they were, they're mm -hmm. at now. Mm -hmm. And so people were still looking at being able to take the CD and put it on iTunes, as opposed to just downloading yeah, the album right. from iTunes directly. So that was a very big part of my initial revenue stream in the UK for, I would say, about three or four years. And then with the rise of Spotify, and especially Deezer over in the UK, mm -hmm. and uh, with the introduction of like Meerkat and Periscope, which eventually yeah. became Facebook Live, Instagram Live, right. that streaming market started to become more important, especially as I started to move from that 35 to 40 demographic and started to play some of the younger clubs, started to do more regional radio and started to connect with a younger audience base. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I would say a good portion, the majority of my revenue as an artist, as far as where the music is getting listened to and interacted with would be coming from streaming and then downloading would be the close second. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you also uh, do any like merch with uh, with your live shows? Do you have like T-shirts and all the all the different uh, like stickers, pins, etc.? A hundred percent. I think merch is an incredibly important part of being an artist these days, especially touring in general is a very important part of the business. And I would say that, and Jerry could probably corroborate on this, but it used to be that you would tour so that you could promote the album, and that was how you made your money off of album sales. And now you release music so that you can go out on tour. And, and you can flipped. sell, exactly. Totally you can flipped. sell physical copies because even the younger crowd I was finding, they would listen to the music on Spotify, they would stream it on Deezer, they would watch the videos on YouTube, but they still wanted a memento from the show. And mm -hmm. they would buy the physical CD almost to have his artwork in the same way that when you used to buy an LP, you would buy it not just for the music, but you would buy it for the liner notes. You would buy it for the album cover. And mm -hmm. with that came the idea of, okay, well, if they're still looking for stuff from the live show, what can I make as far as merchandise that's going to connect with them, that's going to appeal to them? Mm -hmm. Knowing where my target audience was, finding out what they wanted, what they liked, how can I make merch that's not only appealing to them, but something that's going to remind them of the time that they had at the show. Mm -hmm. And so that's been incredibly fun to do. Well, it's interesting because Dave and I have been saying in our classes, treat your music as another piece of merch. 100%. Now, because it's not, nobody's going to, in, in big bulk, I mean, they can get it on Spotify and so on. It's almost like a business So card. we have, yeah, we have these students, especially these jazz students that come to us when they're seniors. And they're right. going, well, we just about put out our first CD. We don't know what to do with it. Well, first of all, you've wasted money, you know. Absolutely. So we tell them, and it's exactly what you're saying, you know, whether it's a momentum, momento or whatever, the idea being that you're treated as another part of of And uh, it's, it's still important to have, because there are going to be people that expect it, and there mm -hmm. are going to be people that dis are disappointed if you don't have it. But mm -hmm. like you were saying, if you treat it as one of the many facets of yeah. your business, and 
that's where I would say, especially in the modern music business, if you're an artist, you also need to be a business person mm -hmm. and you need to be able to look at it from both perspectives because you want to be able to create music and you want to have that artistic integrity. You want to sure. put your heart and soul into your music and you want that to be the focus, but it can't be the only focus mm -hmm. and you need to look at it as one part of a very large whole. Yeah, sure. How did you get involved with Jerry Limbaugh? And what were your expectations? How did you find him? What has he done for you? So I first met Jerry through another contact in uh, independent radio promoter. And uh, we were coming out with our first official single in the US about two years ago, was it a year ago? And he said, okay, this sounds like a hot AC track. And at the time I was kind of familiar with the difference between like adult contemporary, hot AC and triple A, but mm -hmm. not being in radio, I didn't quite know the difference. And he said, the, the guy to talk to is Jerry. So we started working with Jerry on that single at hot AC and Jerry, Jerry is an incredibly invaluable person to know and to work with. And I've, I've really enjoyed working with him because he could have very easily just been the radio guy and the promotion guy I've been like okay that's it you know we tried and that's mm -hmm. it's great this is all I can do but Jerry when he's working on a project he really puts 150 percent of himself in it and through getting to know Jerry and Jerry getting to know me as an artist and also as a business person we decided to change gears from hot AC to triple A radio went out with another single and that's proving to be incredibly successful has opened up a lot of doors as far as AAA radio is concerned, mm -hmm. as far as opportunities here in the States, and we're getting ready to work together on another single this summer slash beginning of fall. Mm -hmm. So Jerry, what did you do with Josh to get him, you know, what, the success that he's claiming <laughs> that he had? <laughs> but Josh's success, so, yeah. so what are the, some of the steps that you took to well, help him? Well, you know, again, it starts with the, uh, you know, basically I have a a fundamental checklist that I go through and it covers every aspect. In other words, uh, although someone's coming to me specifically for promotion or radio promotion, uh, I look at it from a big picture standpoint. You know, uh, you know looking at it, uh, how to sustain a career and a business model. And so you go down the checklist and, and it all starts with the music, basically. So in other words, my introduction to Josh was a particular song which had leanings toward what I would call the adult top 40 or how a safe format. However, once we, uh, and, and it, it you know, did reasonably well, but again, uh, as I got to know Josh, I said, what else do you have? I want to hear your catalog. And that gave me a better sense of uh, tempo, genre, his style of writing. Mm -hmm. And and I felt that um, it was uh, on a, a, a it was, it wasn't a case of someone who was out writing pop singles, so to speak, you know, or, or necessarily hit singles. I found that there was great depth in his songwriting ability with his other songs, which lent me towards the AAA format, which I thought would be more receptive mm -hmm. to, uh, to him as an artist. And again, I'm not trying to necessarily break somebody on a single basis. I, uh, you know, I could tell that Josh was in it for the, for the long term. Mm -hmm. And so from a sustainable standpoint, uh, I felt his, uh, his music had depth, uh, that it would be better received by a, a more adult-leaning audience uh, mm -hmm. that, 
appreciated his uh, his wordsmith and uh, his uh, way of writing and uh, and uh, that's kind of where we get we shifted a little bit towards AAA. We took a trip out to Boulder, Colorado last year for the Friday morning quarterback AAA conference. And again, the other part of the equation is uh, developing relationships. And uh, this was Josh's uh, first exposure at this particular conference. And he also did a showcase there as well. So we had a chance to uh, introduce him to the uh, people who uh, programmed the radio stations. He got to meet a lot of the people, spent some very uh, good uh, mm -hmm. time with them and, and developed those relationships. Uh, again, part of it is the follow-up. It's in other words, it's not just that moment, it's like, what do you do beyond that sure. uh, that that meeting? And so, uh, you know, just guided him through the process of sending out the notes, the nice to meet you notes, uh, get, you know, again, in specific detail, not generic kind of notes, yeah, but very sure. specific in terms of who you met. Uh, what's great about Josh is he's, you know, he's been around, he's been on the road. So uh, what was great is there were kind of uh, references to a lot of the uh, things that uh, from programmers' hometowns and, and specific mm -hmm. venues and things like that, mm -hmm. which again creates that mm -hmm. uh, relationship that goes beyond. Uh, hey, I'm just another yeah. another artist who's looking to get a song played on the radio. It, it, sure. it, it added depth to the relationship. So uh, from there, we uh, went into a radio campaign. We approached the non-com format and uh, what's that? Non-commercial non triple A. Yeah. And, uh, like, is that NPR generally uh, or college? College, or? okay. College, NPR, uh, some commercial stations as well, and uh, we we got airplay uh, reported on eighty stations. Wow, eighty so, stations yeah. around the country. Yeah, what so, markets? Uh, across the board. Yeah, everything from you know some major markets, uh, intermediate markets, small markets, mm. and then uh, the spinoff of that too was to uh, uh, attend, uh, have Josh perform. And showcase at the uh, uh, the college, uh, Na uh, NACA, NACA, oh, yeah, NACA yeah, yeah. and APCA. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so he, he uh, we connected with a representative who uh, got Josh to uh, perform at both, and we're expecting to get uh, well. Uh, yeah, uh, we've been told we might sure. get up to a dozen college yeah. dates uh, from that as well. So again, it's that reinforcement. And the plan was when we came out of Boulder, we had a good feeling about what was happening. So I, uh, I, Josh and I went to dinner at the conclusion of it, and I sat down and I said, uh, we're going to call this the Boulder to Boulder uh, plan. And the idea was there's to map out the next 12 months, mm -hmm. which would bring us full circle back to Boulder again in August. And this time, we wouldn't, it wouldn't be so much of an introduction as it would be, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, kind of going yeah. from the opening act yeah, to the yeah. headline act, sure. you know. So that sure. was the intent, was to try to map out a 12-month 12, 12 strategy and bring us back to Boulder, right. uh, you know. So you were uh, acoustic? Um, we didn't get into that, about your music and so on. So uh, I do everything from solo acoustic shows to full band. Everything okay. that I produce in the studio has a full band behind mm -hmm. it. Harmony mm -hmm. vocals, guitars, bass, drums, keyboards. What's the right. single that got the big AAA? Learning to let go. Learning to let go, because I actually have it here on Do Spotify. Ah, there you go. I can play two seconds of it. We'll see how the quality of it is. Radio edit, learning to let go. Yeah. 
Sometimes in life you reach a point of things will never be the same You turn to see all of your old friends who made it through the fray Throwing stones into the water, watching our reflections rearrange And when we get back to the stillness, the stillness that we're facing has been changed So take a breath, take it all in Cause at the end of every moment, another one begins and so it goes Just happen, make us who we will become All we can control Sucks <laughs> Well, thank you yeah. <laughs> What else you got, kid? Yeah. I'd like a second opinion Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I think it's right Yeah, okay Alright, so thank you for letting us listen yeah. to that Absolutely that. Yeah. It's great. No, that's at the core of it. That's that's what I love to do. It's the reason I got into this business was to write songs and connect with people through them. Mm -hmm. You know, but uh, the cool thing about going into this business was that I I wanted to approach it from an artist standpoint. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to be on the creative side of things, and I actually started in a business program in Canada and switched out of it in order to do music. Yeah. But by doing so, I learned more about being in business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because today, being an artist, it's synonymous with DIY. Sure. And you need to understand the different facets of what you do. Um, I mean, you don't have to, but in order to be an informed consumer and in order to sure. be able to know at what stage you need to go, okay, I can no longer handle this part of my business. I need somebody to do this. Mm -hmm. It also gives you the understanding of how that's supposed to work. So that when somebody comes in and says, oh, I can do X, Y, and Z for you, you go, great, but you can actually monitor whether yes, X, Y, and exactly. Z is being sure. done. Mm -hmm. sure. And uh, to that extent, working with Jerry has been incredible because I, I like to take the Henry Ford strategy to business. Mm -hmm. And that's if, if you don't understand how to do something yourself and you know that there is always more that you can learn, surround yourself with people Mm -hmm. that know how to do it in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. Surround yourself with the best possible people for the job and learn from them. And that's mm -hmm. Jerry to a T. Well, you know, again, I, the outreach for me was, again, when Josh comes to me, it's not like I'm going to be doing, providing all of these services directly. But what I will do is, uh, again, I'll reach out to, as Josh says, you reach out to people who you think can mm -hmm. uh, take the project to the next level. We hired MM Music to do our non-com promotion. They've won the award at the AAA conference like the last five years. Mm -hmm. So I went with the best of the best there. When we needed uh, social media uh, enhancement, I went to Ariel Hyatt, Cyber PR. Who sure. we've had on the show. We've had like we've had show. you on the show. Yeah. Yes. And she was yeah. phenomenal. You know, so the idea is you know, to, to find the, the, the yeah. proper people to represent you in those areas to enhance the project. Uh, I remain the quarterback, so to speak, and you know the mm -hmm. director of the campaign, mm -hmm. uh, and try to manage the uh, the various assets. But uh, but again, uh, it's not a one size fits all. It's not a template that applies to every artist. You create sure. that you know unique sure. playbook for each artist. Sure. Yeah. There's sure. there's no secret sauce as far as any of this is concerned. <laughs> but uh, 
you know, I think there's also a distinction that just because you label yourself as DIY doesn't mean that there's, you have to do every single thing yourself, All right. nor would I recommend that because <laughs> there's always more that you can learn and there's always going to be people that are using their strengths in a way that you wouldn't be able to, or have strengths that you don't necessarily have in the same capacity. Yeah. So at that point, it becomes really great when you can find people to create a team around you that right. all have their strengths and can all work together. Yeah, we talk about Macklemore and yeah, um, absolutely. And Lewis, you know, that he, at that point that they went with a major, you know, to get across what they had started. Sure. Right. And they knew, they knew it had to be done at that point. And that's right, when you can recognize it, put the ego aside, and then get it done, mm. you know, it's just great. Which can be difficult in this business. <laughs> to check say, your ego at the door. Say but. the least. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Okay. So, what the, going back to like what you were saying with the DIY artist, um, we had talked earlier again, and you were talking about how uh, stuff can, like, an average day for you is like, there is no predictability in it. No. As a DIY artist, like anything, literally anything can happen. And like, for sure. you, like we were talking about the importance of like just being prepared for it. So like, you have like, if we were to ask you for like a typical day as a, as an artist, like when you, you would, you, yeah, are you, are, yeah. You get, are you getting up at like seven ready for the nine or nine to five? Or are you just like, are you up at five and you're working till like four in the morning? It really all depends on the day. It all depends on what projects I know are coming to a deadline and what needs to get done. Uh, typically, I'm up 7 o'clock, 6.30, mm -hmm. and I, I try not to treat it like a 9 to 5 because it, it's, it can't be, mm -hmm. in the sense that if I'm an artist as well as a business person, I know that you know, like a typical day for me is sending emails to the UK in the morning because mm -hmm. I know that by the time I get up, at a reasonable hour, they're already halfway through their day. Yeah. So if I want to reach out to venues to book shows, I know that there's a two to three month window beforehand where I need to start doing that. And there's a certain time during the day that they're gonna be available to do so. Mm -hmm. And so if I don't get up during that time and do that then, I'm gonna miss out on that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I wake up, I coordinate with the UK team, I send emails to booking agents. If there's a radio interview or a written interview that I need to do for the UK, I know that there's a certain amount of time I can send that in if I want it done that day. Mm -hmm. And then past that, I start to do the same thing for the US and for Canada, because fortunately, a lot of clubs in the US and Canada don't open until five, six o'clock sure. in the evening. So yeah. I can kind of budget my time depending on the region geographically that I'm focusing on. Mm -hmm. But as I was saying before, and as you mentioned, you can't really treat it like a nine to five job. And it's one of the things that I love about it is that you constantly have to be ready to dive into something or mm -hmm. to spend, whether it's three hours, five hours, doing whatever you need to at that moment, whenever that comes up. Mm -hmm. Because with any business, but especially in this business, it's never going to matter to anybody else the way that it matters to you. And if you're the artist and if you're the label and you believe in what you're doing, you got to give it 150. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I do. And mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a lot of fun because there will be days where it won't be as busy until it gets extremely busy. And yeah. then it's insane. But you're in it because you love it. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, that passion mm -hmm. carries you through. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can attest that, uh, you know, again, there's, it's hard to maintain a structure. This is a 24-7, 365 business. 100%. And, uh, you know, Josh is a good example because uh, a lot of times it would be a Saturday or a Sunday, and all of a sudden there'll be a flurry of uh, text messages from Josh. Mm-hmm. I just wrote three new songs. What do you think? Uh, or mm-hmm. I just posted something on social media. Can you mm-hmm. take a look at it? And uh, so again, you know, you, uh, you, you, you dig into those things and, and go through the analytics and uh, try to provide the appropriate feedback. Mm-hmm. So again, it, you know, it's a very spontaneous kind of business uh, quite often. We talk a lot about fan engagement. Uh, you know, we look at when you do a posting and see what the response is. You know, mm-hmm. is, it, is it reaching critical mass? Uh, sometimes when the songs come in, we'll determine is this an appropriate song as a single? Is it good for an EP? Is it going to be good for the full album? Is it even a Josh Turk song? Or is it maybe a song that I feel is yeah. not consistent with where we are right now, but maybe we want to put it aside and use it as a song for uh, uh, synchronization, you know, mm-hmm. pitch it to film, TV, or advertising? Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's various strategies that we'll uh, have discussions on, and those become very spontaneous moments that don't fit into a any kind of a structure. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you, you have to be open to that, yeah. because I, at the end of the day, whatever side of this business you get into, it's it's a passion-driven business. Mm-hmm. And when you get into something like that, especially in a creative field, as much as you may want to try and compartmentalize it, it, it can't fit yeah. into that nine-to-five structure. Yeah. We're not... We're not only sidetrack, we're looking at you. It's not that oh, we're there you go. I'm sorry, I'm looking, <laughs> no, no, I'm looking at no your worries. Instagram oh, profile. Don't serve my Instagram. judgment then. That's right. No, we are. I mean, we're looking at the Instagram. By the way, uh, it's Josh. On Instagram, for example, it's J-O-S-H for Josh, then T-A-E-R-K, so we can spell the last name. There Pronounced Turk, but spelled T-A-E-R-K. And, it is. and one of the things you might notice if you're looking at Instagram is if you go back a little ways, you'll notice there's a different Josh Turk in terms of appearance. Which mm. was also a That's what I was looking at. That was part of our strategy as yeah. well. You, t- you got rid of the eye patch and the makeup. Exactly. <laughs> Shaved right. the beard, <laughs> covered the tattoos. The dress. <laughs> yeah. we actually need to, do you have a final question? Because we need to yeah. wrap, wrap up. up. Yeah, just, just one more. Um, real quick. Since you are the DIY artist, is it safe to assume you're your own manager like uh, as an artist manager then as well? Yeah, it's, it's very safe to assume that. I, I basically look at it as I'm taking on all of the roles and the responsibilities that we don't necessarily have a teammate or a team member for yet. Mm-hmm. I, uh, within saying that, I will still use the resources and the team members I have around me to help with those decisions. I will, as Jerry said before, text him and email him questions, and I do the same thing for my UK team. But as far as the shows that we've booked up until this point, I've been the booking agent. I do a lot of the management and the, I guess, frontline stuff as far as organizing musicians and rehearsals and when to do what. And at that point, it's uh, it's been an incredible ride, you know, mm-hmm. being able to understand how that side of the business works. And with any DIY artist, the one thing that I would recommend is jump in head first. And mm-hmm. uh, there was a great quote yesterday. I forget who said it, but it was the next gen panel that said. It's always better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. Mm. Do stuff, make mistakes, because in those moments, even if those mistakes feel like the end of the world, they won't be, and you will learn so much from them. Uh-huh. Well, listen, it has not been a mistake having Josh Turk and Jerry no, Lumbaugh. No, not at all. This is actually, it would have <laughs> been a mistake to not have them. 
but not no, uh, it's, it's the a, artist. It's not a mistake for you to have me on this show. Well, Either a state about we can't debate it. Well, do you want to have a debate about that now? Not now. Do you want to do it publicly? I want to eat okay, okay, then we'll, we'll okay. So we want to thank Matthew Kerr for making yes. this happen. Thank if you, Matthew we'll Kerr. We'll see Matthew Kerr again today. We actually see Matthew Kerr one more time for his twenty-fifth interview. Man. You can't escape me. I'm like the virus. Yes. <laughs> he rolled the R. And then we want to thank Josh Turk's parents for uh, biologically creating Josh Turk. So that I would like to thank them for that today. too. That was a big thing. Yeah, it was very important. It was a great night for them. And we want to thank Jerry Lembo yeah. for being here. My for friend. Yeah, yes. friend Jerry Lembo. All right. And it's the end of the show. We don't say hello at the end of every show. The dyslexic people do, but that's not go. our audience. Our audience is the people who, at the end of every show, say, Adios! Oh. Sometimes in life you reach a point of things will never be the same You turn to see all of your old friends who made it through the fray Throwing stones into the water watching our reflections rearrange And when we get back to the stillness Stillness that we're facing has been changed So take a breath, take it all in Cause at the end of every moment Another one begins and so it goes And time moves on And all the things we think just happen Make us who we will become All we can control Learning to let go Stumbling, marching, moving forward Always searching for a sign That when we turn to face the current We'll come out the other side Are we living life to live it? Or casting judgment from the sidelines? The only fears made real to us Are those which we decide So take a breath, take it all in Cause at the end of every moment Another one begins and so it goes And time moves on And all the things we think just happen Make us who we will become All we can control Is learning to let go
Sometimes in life you reach a point of things will never be the same And when you're standing on the edge of where you're going And from where it was you came 